sports, politics, life, Buck Roofing presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. It probably drives Andy Reid crazy, but if you want to know what's going on with the Chiefs during a game week leading up to game time and what the players are actually thinking and feeling during the week, we all have educated guesses, but there's one way to find out for sure, and that is to listen to Travis Kelsey and his brother Jason Kelsey's podcast, New Heights. It's pretty obvious that that is the place to go to find out exactly what the Chiefs are thinking at any given time about what's going on as they prepare for an opponent. This week is no different, and I'm sure this drives Andy crazy. We've all been wondering how, how concerned the team is about Patrick Mahomes' ankle. I think we've missed the story this week. That's not going to be a big issue, I don't think. We'll see how he plays on it. Until we see him play, we don't know. But for the rest of the team, it doesn't sound like it's much or a very big issue. It has not kept Patrick Mahomes from practicing or doing what he is accustomed to doing during the week, and the Chiefs have just gone out about their business. But Travis Kelsey said on his podcast a couple of things that are really interesting. One is a football nugget and the psyche of the team. The other is a terrific story about his teammate, Chad Henney. We got them both here for you before Danny Klinkscale joins us to talk all things Chiefs-Bengals, KU, K-State, Missouri's big weekend, and the golf feud between Rory McIlroy and Patrick Reed. It is all ahead on this episode of KKHI. So Kelsey's on with Kelsey on the New Heights podcast. And they start talking about this week and the game prep and the stadium and all this stuff. Now, both these guys are playing. The Eagles are playing too, so it's probably not making them all that happy either that Jason Kelsey's on there saying the stuff he does. But apparently, according to Travis Kelsey, the NFL Films clip of the three players, I think it was Helton that said it, there's three players on the sideline in Buffalo last week on Sunday. And he turns to the NFL Films camera at the end and says, we're headed to Burrowhead, get ready for us. And that's where this Burrowhead thing came from. And from the sounds of what Kelsey says, it is absolutely driving him crazy. Now, we know the Chiefs are upset that they've lost three times in a row to this team. There will be no lack of motivation here. There will be no lack of intensity with Chiefs fans. It's going to be cold. So it can't be as loud as it would be in September and October. We've talked about this many times. When it's really cold, people can't clap. They can clap, but it's muffled. There is no, you know, there's no loud clap noise. When you, you know, put gloves together, it doesn't make any noise. So it will not be the loudest Arrowhead's ever been. But the fans are going to scream and holler and whistle and do whatever they can, pound seats and make noise. And Travis Kelsey made some sort of a comment, it's the loudest stadium in the world. They've given us bullet board material. Kelsey is clearly offended by Bengals players referring to this stadium as Burrowhead. But ladies and gentlemen, if the Chiefs don't win this game, there's going to be a lot of people calling it Burrowhead if Joe Burrow plays well, obviously. But that's kind of a peek into what's going on with these players this week, and I find that to be very fascinating. That's what's bothering them is their home turf. Maybe more than the three losses, because two of those three games were in Cincinnati. Maybe more than the losses, it's, it's the Arrowhead thing. It's the Burrowhead. It's got them bothered, and I like it. And I'm glad Kelsey said it. I'm glad he spoke it. I'm sure Andy Reid asked players to not speak out and say things like that. Andy Reid can't control Travis Kelsey at this point. And there will be a point in time where he can't control Patrick Mahomes either. And Mahomes may go off and do a podcast with somebody like Aaron Rodgers does or Tom Brady did or whomever. He'll pick a podcaster, he'll do a show, and the Chiefs won't really have much say. They still control Mahomes pretty well in the media, but that day will end. There will be a time that, that Mahomes just says, screw it, I'm going to go do this thing, I want to do it, and I'm going to do it, and they can't stop me. That's where Kelsey is at this point, and he's earned it. And I love it, and I love what comes out of that podcast, but clearly the Chiefs are a little raw, a little roughed up that the Bengals and Cincinnati fans are using the term Burrowhead. I love it. 
I'll take any motivation I can get. Not that you shouldn't be motivated for an AFC championship game, but we watched the Chiefs play in two Super Bowls, and what happened in both of them? Super Bowls. Chiefs came out in two Super Bowls. On both occasions, they were flat as a pancake. They came out in those games flat. Period. You can't even make that up, but it happens in sports, so I'll take whatever I can get this week. But the best story Kelsey told, he said of himself, quote, I'm an absolute idiot, unquote. When he scored a touchdown on Saturday and chucked the ball after the 98-yard drive and chucked the ball way up in the stands, I mean, like way up in the stands, and just threw it, just flung it. After that 98-yard Chad Henney drive, it was just remarkable to watch that. And he threw the ball, and then he immediately thought, "Uh uh-oh, I just did a terrible thing. And he found out, I guess pretty quickly, that Chad Henney had never thrown a touchdown pass in a playoff game. Now, most quarterbacks in the NFL never throw a touchdown pass in a playoff game. So it's a thing. It's really a thing for a guy who's turned into a career backup, and he got a chance to do it. That's a ball he wants. So Kelsey went on with his brother, Kelsey, on the podcast and said, I don't think there's any way we can find this fan. The New Heights podcast put a tweet out looking for the fan with the ball. And lo and behold, a few hours later, after they both decided, look, it doesn't matter. They're not going to come forward. They're going to keep that souvenir. We're not getting it. A person on Twitter named Crazy Carlos with K's. Crazy, K-A-R-L-A-S-S. Crazy Carlos came forward and said, I've got it and is giving it back. Now, I don't know what Kelsey will do for this person. I'm sure it will be something very, very nice, but they're giving it back, and that is awesome. It's not a baseball home run. This is not the record-setting Aaron Judge home run or something like that or a Bonds ball or something that's worth a bunch of money. So it's not worth a lot of money. It's a personal memo to Chad Henney. I'm sure the easiest thing for Kelsey is just provide another ball that everyone on the team signs. And if she gets that, and everybody on the team signs it, and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, she's got something way better than Chad Henney's touchdown ball. So it's pretty cool. We don't have the end story yet. It hasn't been executed. They don't have the ball back. Hopefully, Chiefs.com or Chiefs Media Insiders, whatever, will video this, and we will see it when he presents it to Kelsey, or if somebody else goes and gets the ball from her when Kelsey presents it to Chad Henney. That's going to be a cool moment, and it says a lot about the closeness of this team. And I do believe... I believe of the five years the Chiefs have been in the AFC title game, this is their best team. I believe it's their closest team, togetherness. I believe they have the best camaraderie. I believe their defense, while not great, is better than the other four defenses. I'm looking at a lot of things that I think are just, statistically the Chiefs were better. They're playing a 17-game schedule, went 14-3, and so now they're 15-3. and It's remarkable football. I like the Chiefs Sunday. I'm not moving off that. I like them. I can think of a million reasons why they're going to win this game and win it by 10 points, and people are going to go, wow. Yeah, the Chiefs flipped a switch. They flipped a switch, and they got it done. We will see around 5.30 on Sunday at Arrowhead. KKHI is presenting Danny Klinkscale to you in just a couple of moments. We're going to have a great discussion with Danny about all these things, presented by Tickets for Less, offering you 15% off your Chiefs purchase this weekend up until game time using promo code KKHI at ticketsforless.com. That's ticketsforless.com, K-K-H-I. Save 15% off Chiefs-Bengals tickets for this Sunday. Jump on that. Welcome ticketsforless.com for being a new sponsor of K-K-H-I. It's great to have them aboard. And this week with the promo code, it's good on other orders as well. You want to buy something else at ticketsforless.com? Save 15% right now with the introductory promo code, the the, the welcome week promo code, 
from KKHI, 15% off at ticketsforless.com. North Kansas City Dental, this office is just packed with Chiefs fans. From Dr. Bill Bush on down. They wear the TI scrubs. They got the Mahomes scrubs, the Kelsey scrubs. You can wear these too if you're in healthcare. They're really cool. Like and North Kansas City Dental's cutting edge. They're on, they do all the cool things at NKC Dental. Bush is that way. Dr. Bush is just that way. So everybody that works there has these really cool TI scrubs. If you work in healthcare or know somebody that does, put them onto the website, tiscrubs.com. It's not just football scrubs. It's regular scrubs. They can get the blue ones or the green ones or whatever it is that they like to wear. They're better fitted, especially for women, but they fit men better too. These are, these are upscale, high-quality scrubs available online for healthcare workers at tiscrubs.com. And don't forget, they've got an affiliation with the NFL Players Association, and you can get different players and teams scrubs as well, including Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Why not jump on it? That's tiscrubs.com. My friends at North Kansas City Dental. And back nine development, TJ Vilkanskis is one of the best developers anywhere in the Midwest. He does a multitude of projects. He can do a custom home. He has done condominium projects. He's done commercial projects. This guy's a go-getter, man. When, when I say he's a developer, he was a builder. He's a builder at heart. He's obviously a builder, but he is a developer. He brings a project to life, and it succeeds. And for people that have a project in mind or investors and a piece of property and you're wanting to do something, TJ is the man that can execute this for you. Bring your own investors. Put your own group together. Give TJ a call and say, how do we do this? What can we do here? This is our vision. We want to build some uh, condominiums or build some houses here. We're going to do this. He can make anything happen. Commercial properties, this guy is unbelievable. TJ Vilkanskis, 785-236-0161 for his entire portfolio of projects. Go to the website, back9development.com. Danny Klinkscale normally joins us on the patron podcasts on Thursdays for what we call Between the Lines 2.0, but he is here on this day to get us ready for the weekend. It is championship weekend, and Danny's here to talk about it. Hit it! The KK Has Issues Conversation is presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. Shop, click, drive at robertsrobinson.com. Well, it's always great to check in with Danny Klinkscale. And if you don't know, every week, Danny joins me on the patron podcast, Between the Lines 2.0 is what we call that, on Thursdays typically. And we always have a good time reminiscing about the old days, talking about current topics, doing things like that for the patrons who seem to really enjoy the podcast. But this is such a big week with the AFC Championship game. And we've got the Big 12 SEC showdown thing going on this weekend. I think Danny's perfect for the regular podcast. Plus, I'm headed to Pebble Beach. Danny Klinkscale, I present to you from dannyklinkscale.com, the president of the uh, Steve Sands Fan Club, the golf announcer. He absolutely loves this guy and would like to spend some time talking today about how great the golf coverage is. Hello, Danny. Hey, Kev. How you doing? No, that's not true. I, you know, I, I love watching golf on television, obviously, and maybe a little bit less than before because I watch a little more soccer than I used to. But anyway, I watch a lot of golf on television, and generally I like it. I'm, and in the past, I've written, I wrote a blog once about the fact that uh, golf announcing is way too positive, which it is, but it's gotten better, and people will say stuff now. Not Steve Stans, though, who for a long time, obviously, was the guy who would do uh, on-course interviews afterwards. There was a reporter on their golf uh, you know, show coverage, and he's fine at that. Uh, he's all right. He's like a you know good, solid TV guy. But now, for whatever reason, he occasionally gets to host, 
and I can't stand it. I just, <laughs> you know, I don't like it at all. And the other part is, I don't know what what the dynamics are. Maybe doesn't want to work as much. Used to be that the things, the tournaments that uh, Steve Sands does now, Terry Gannon used to be the lead mm, guy. And he's good. Yeah. Now, Terry Gannon's kind of a, you know, sort of a, he, he seems like a bit of a sourpuss guy, but and he, you know, does, I think he's got a little more sardonic quality to him. Anyway, he's good. He did last week, for instance, for the first, uh, I think he did, the, you know, the first couple rounds. And he's good. I enjoy him. I enjoy when he does the women's golf or whatever he does. I think he does a solid job. And if, if Steve Sands somehow in his contract uh, get upped and, and this is at the expense of Terry Gannon, then I'm not very happy at all. Now, maybe just Terry Gannon doesn't want to work as much. I don't know. But uh, they've made a lot of changes at NBC, and they got rid of the old guard. And uh, a couple of the guys they have on now, I think, are pretty good. John Wood, the caddy, is, is good, I think. And I think they're going to use Brad Faxon more. And, and I like him. So so we'll see how it shakes out. And, they're, and their main guys are great. Paul Eisinger has stepped in, and he does a fine job. And uh, But when I, I told you and I texted you, when I flipped it on yesterday and it was Steve Sands in the booth, I'm like, oh, no. And yeah. then, thankfully, my guy, Frank Navalo, who I actually quite like, uh, and once upon a time for a couple of years was my favorite golfer back in the day. He actually in one year finished in the top 10 in all four majors. But, uh, and then he got hurt. But nobody cares about that. But anyway, I like <laughs> Frank Navalo. So, so so, so that's sort of, so for at least for these two days, that sort of saved it because Frank Novello is going to be the lead analyst for those days. So you and I have been in lockstep for many, many years about this. When we hear like chiefs uh, fans just hated Chris Collinsworth last week. They couldn't stand it, but I've never heard right. one of them complain about one of his Sunday night broadcasts. I just haven't. So, uh, you know, we, what we, our rule is if it's your team and you're complaining about the announcers, we largely dismiss it. So it's always right. better to have either an objective person or somebody who, like if a KU fan wants to watch a K-State game and complain about the announcers, I'll listen to that all day long. But I won't listen to the K-State fans that day because it just doesn't right. it just doesn't work. So your objective with golf, that is for sure. Let me ask you this. How can ESPN Plus, with all this college basketball that's out there now, how can they fix their announcer problem? And not specific to any one person or crew, but it is so substandard. They might as well just turn it over to the students at the schools and let them do it. Yeah. I think when they're going the off their major platforms, uh, a lot of times you're just like, Whoa. I mean, it's so obvious and I'll, or, Hey, I'll say it. That, that Tuesday night game was a fantastic college basketball game between Iowa state and Kansas state. That to me was almost wrecked by a substandard New Yorkish team of, I think I'll say his name, Rich Hollenberg, who I don't know what he is, but uh, he, he, he's, he certainly knows every basketball cliche and broadcasting cliche ever done. <laughs> and and then I don't even remember the name of the uh, of the color announcer. He played at West Point, and he's my Coach K's son-in-law. Oh, bro. So so anyway, I I yes, and some of the ESPN Plus broadcast crews don't seem to be that great. You're right. I mean, if you're not gonna and the thing is, there, there's so many college basketball uh, announcing teams that are excellent. I mean, I think generally you get a really great listen a lot of times, be it uh, John Shambi and Fran Fraschilla or uh, games that Jay Billis does, whether people don't like Jay Billis or not. He still, to me, is a good announcer. You know, Dick Vitale is what he is, but you know, a lot of the lead announcers just are, are 
outstanding. And Bill Raftery still works all the time. And the guy's almost 80. He does games all the time. He's good. Uh, and he's still good. Yeah. He's very good. Yeah. So, you know, the difference is just it, it, it's very noticeable. You're right. Uh, when you turn on an ESPN Plus broadcast or ESPNU, that now you're talking about, you know, probably at that moment in time, maybe it's the fourth game on ESPN itself. So, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, way down the list and I don't know what they pay these guys, probably not that much because ESPN's sort of notoriously cheap, except for their very top talent. Uh, but anyway, it is noticeable. I mean, can it wreck the game? Uh, that, that was the closest college basketball game I came to not really wanting to listen to the sound. And I came close to it, but you still want the atmosphere and the crowd and Hilton Coliseum and all that. So, yeah, it's noticeable. I don't know what the, you're right. If you're going to go and, and probably to them, those people aren't as maybe substandard as we think they are. But if you're going to do that and travel people to different places and put them up on a hotel and everything, it's almost use somebody local because they're not, they're going to be just as good. All right. Let's dive into this AFC championship game, Danny. I'm, um- I was fascinated. I thought this would be a very fascinating week, but it's not. I'm beginning to ask the question, was Patrick Mahomes' injury not as severe as people thought? A lot of people didn't think he'd play at all. He said, no, eye ankle sprain, can't play quarterback, can't do that. He's out there practicing in full, doesn't seem to be hampering him. I don't know what we got here other than he's going to play. I've always known he's going to play. Do you think the ankle is even a factor at all now, knowing that he's a full participant in practice? Yeah, I think it's still a factor. Uh, he's going to play, and Patrick Mahomes can be effective no matter what setting he's in, if he can do anything. I mean, it, it looked to me during the game like he did have a high ankle. I think he does have a high ankle sprain. But the ability, you know, but there's sprains are just, there's so many degrees of them, but a high ankle sprain is, is a significant injury. And so I, I think he will be compromised in some way. And, you know, Listing somebody as a full participant in practice, and then you saw what he actually was doing, is kind of a joke. I mean, anybody could see that all they did was, you know, all anybody could see was the stretching and whatever. We don't even know what full participation means. They're going to list him as a full, you know, he was out there, he was doing something. They're supposed to be honest now. If he's limited, you're supposed to report that he was limited in practice. They only allow the media, for our listeners, they only allow the media in to shoot for about 10 minutes and then they got to go. So we don't want to know what happened the next two hours. But Mahomes said he did everything. They made it sound like he did it all and he's working his way through it and it's fine. And I would offer this up. I've heard doctors say there's like three different ligaments that run through there. We don't know if all three were damaged, whether it was one or whatever. I've not heard anybody ask this question. This was a contact ankle sprain, not the kind where you're running and you blow out your wheel. And those right. are nasty. And we know those are nasty. And this looked terrible, but something tells me that a contact, a player landing on your ankle is probably better than running full speed, trying to take a corner and blowing out your tire. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just know what I saw when he played. And and the fact that he came back in and he was he clearly you know, had some trouble pushing off that foot and throwing properly. So that's probably my bigger concern. Well, that, that anything's a concern because all the things he does off script are, are the things that elevates him from being merely a really excellent quarterback to being just the best. And I, I do think that there, he, he will not, I am confident in saying he will not be 100%. 
Now, that doesn't mean that he can't be really good. He was the number one rated NFL passer this year from the pocket. But the two, you know, I think he averaged two first downs per game this year running, something like that, a little bit less. I think he had, had you know, maybe 24 and 17 game, whatever. You know, one or two of those are are, are huge. Sure. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll just have to find out early. We'll just have to find out because I think Cincinnati will basically have two defensive game plans ready. One that I think they'll start off with thinking that he's going to be a pocket presence, a pocket passer. And in that case, you can rush differently. You don't have to worry about, you know, making, making sure you stay in your lane and, and, you know, keeping your contain on the outside and all that. And then that takes away some regression in your pass rush. Or if they see that he's just going to stay there in the pocket, they'll probably blitz more and do things more like that. So I have a lot of respect for Lou Anarumo, their defensive coordinator. I think he's a big challenge for the Chiefs. And I, and I think he's also somebody who adapts very well. The, and the Chiefs and the, and the Bengals are two of the best teams in the league at halftime adjustments by certain analytics. So uh, I, think it's, I, I do think it's a factor. How much of a factor it's going to be, I just think we're going to have well, to wait and see. I don't the think the Bengals are coming after him. I think they're gonna, they love to rush three and drop their defensive ends into a zone especially on the Kelsey side, wherever Kelsey is, that D end is going with him to just create. He doesn't have to cover him because the linebacker is picking him up or the safety, but to create a, a passing lane problem for Patrick Mahomes on a quick throw, they love to rush three and let him try to buy time and make plays, which he can do. But uh, with the ankle injury, I think it's that on steroids. I think that's exactly what you want Mahomes to do now. Rush three, drop eight, make him try to run around and find somebody open. And I think the Bengals will do that. I also think Danny, these three games against the Bengals, they were all, every single one of them was a three-point win. The last two, the Chiefs clearly lost because of turnovers. And every one of them, the Bengals came from behind. And the Chiefs demonstrated throughout the body of the game that they were the better team. I, I can't use the word fluke, but I do think the Bengals winning three in a row was exceptionally good fortune for the Bengals. The Chiefs are 17-2 uh, and two over that time period against everybody else in the league. So to me, these three games look a little fluky. Now, it is the same team that's beaten them, and you and I both respect that a lot. I love the Chiefs. I love them being asked about being an underdog. I love this setup this week. I'm sorry. I, I just think this fits right in the Chiefs' hands. I think they're going to win this game by 10. Well, I don't think they're going to win by 10. I, I, I'm leaning toward the Chiefs to win the game, and I do think that you know they, they're going to have all the extra motivation that teams love to have and you know can create this. You know, they were placed as a three-point favorite and just like immediately the Bengals became a favorite and a betting line switch that people haven't often seen uh, that quickly or that to that degree, like it switched five and a half points in a day or something like that. And then that. it moved a, a point and a half the yeah. other way when people saw Mahomes right. on the practice field. Amazing. R right. And, you know, so I, to me, I, I can't believe that anybody would let video, uh, you know, footage of, first of all, I can't believe anybody thought he wasn't going to play. Uh, that, that to me was absurd. He played in the second half of the game. I mean, my God. And then he's got, you know, these treatments that you can describe are out of this world, what these guy can do. So it wasn't just that people were saying he, they didn't think he was going to play. There were actually people around the country saying he shouldn't play because of the risk to his health or his life or whatever may be the case. I'm like, are you kidding me? He could play with a broken ankle and have better mobility than Tom Brady. 
Just worried about Patrick Mahomes' health if he plays? I can't believe there are actually sports journalists that say that stuff. Well, I, if they did, then they're, they're fools, and probably not as many of them said it as, as I think people around here probably like to. But it doesn't matter. I mean, the Chiefs are going to feel put upon this week. They're going to be sick of hearing the, about the Bengals and Joe Burrow and all that stuff. And I think that, for whatever reason, creates extra motivation. Why you need extra motivation when you're playing a game for the Super Bowl, I'll never know. But, uh, but it's there. And I do like that aspect of the game for the Chiefs. The fact that, you know, so many people are talking about, you know, Joe Burrow can take over the mantle of the face of the NFL and, and all this other stuff. But I highly respect Joe Burrow, and I think that he and he has wonderful uh, talent around him. Uh, the the rep weapons he has are superior to the Chiefs in total. I don't think they have anybody as quite as good as as Travis Kelsey, but uh, in in total, from running back to uh, the other wide receivers, et cetera, they're better. So I still think this is a toss up game. And the other part is. The Chiefs were saying all this stuff about being sick of the Bengals and everything when they were leading up to the third game against them, and they lost that one too. So <laughs> yep. I don't know how much that, that that really mattered. But you're right; these games were all right down to the wire. The Bengals had to pull them out at the end, and they did. And that doesn't mean that you know they clocked the Chiefs three times, and, but no. they've beaten them three times, so they're going to feel good about. And they've beaten the Chiefs at Arrowhead, so that they, and they. You know, they, they played less uh, home games than anybody in the league this year because they had one canceled and they only had eight scheduled anyway. Uh, they've got a great record on the road. So they got a lot of things going for them too. But I, I'm, I am leaning toward the Chiefs, but I think it's going to be close. Okay, this is the fourth time they played. The first time they played, the Chiefs defense was a train wreck. Last year, it wasn't great, but it was better than the first time they played the Bengals. This year, it was better than the second time they played the Bengals. And right now, today, is better than the third time they played the Bengals a couple of months ago. I think the defense is better. I think it's gotten better. And I think that's a big deal here. And it's important to look at because I think the Chiefs can win the game with defense. I feel like they won the game with their defense last Saturday when Mahomes was out. But I heard a stat from Dan Orlovsky on ESPN this morning, and I've not double-checked this, so don't hold me to this. I'm, I'm attributing this to him. And he said, everybody's got this wrong. It's not Mahomes' ankle. It's not Mahomes, not Kelsey. He said this about Isaiah Pacheco, likely. The Chiefs have 10 straight postseason games where they've rushed for over 100 yards. When the postseason hits, the Chiefs run the ball. He thinks they're going to rush three, drop in a zone, and there ought to be five yards to be picked up rushing the football almost every time. That is a hot take. Do you see the Chiefs running the ball in the first half of this game more than passing it? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that... that I, I think that the Chiefs have usually when a team like the Chiefs that likes to throw the ball runs for a significant amount, it means that they're running out the game and they've won and, and they've won. And, and that's probably one of the reasons that they've gotten over a hundred yards in those games, which isn't really that much. I do think the running games are significant. If the Chiefs run the football and match what the Bengals can do in running the football, the Chiefs had a tremendous trouble stopping the run against the Bengals in the previous game this year and the Bengals ran the ball really well last week. Now, I think that game was in many ways mitigated by the snow. Uh, it's harder to play defense in the snow. There's no question about that. So, But I think you'll find out pretty early if the Chiefs are you know, in some kind of peril if, if the Bengals are able to run the ball the way they did against the Bills. I mean, they were a 
consistently getting five, six yards yeah. on first down. And the Chiefs have been good generally early in series against the run this year. They're, they're first down running defense. This is, you know, not a statistic. It's anecdotal. It's my observation. Uh, generally has been good. When teams have come in, you think they can run on it. And then they run on first down and they get stoned and, and then they're in, in more trouble. So first down running to me is going to be a, a yep. big deal in this game, both sides, both but sides. particularly for the Bengals, particularly for the Bengals, because they've been able to do it. Yeah. Well, they ran for 175. The Bengals did last week. And if they run for 175 this week, they're winning. I'll just yep. go ahead and say that. So and right. some of that was icing the game away, but they just ran the ball sure. beautifully. And it really, really helped Joe Burrow in that game. I thought it was an anomaly. The people in Vegas said it was. That's why they put the Chiefs as a favorite. They said, we've just not seen the Bengals run like this, and we don't think they'll do it again. It's going to be cold, but it looks like it's going to be dry, and it should be good playing conditions there. How about the NFC game? We've, you know, The, the Chiefs are the only, only team left with a quarterback that's making real money here. Everybody else is on their first contract, so they, right, they've got right. better rosters, but nothing quite like the 49ers running Brock Purdy out there. This is the old Oklahoma-Iowa State rematch with Jalen Hurts. They played a 42-41 to game a few years ago. Oklahoma won it over Iowa State, and now these guys are in the NFC Championship game, and the quarterbacks are drawing a lot of headlines, but I'm not sure that's where this game is going to be won. Do you think the best defense wins this game? Well, I think if there's, yes, I think that this game is probably going to be reasonably low scoring. And if it's not, that means the Eagles are going to win because I don't see the 49ers putting up a lot of points in this game. And they they play pretty cozy anyway. I think in a game this big, they don't want Brock, Brock Purdy to try to play any kind of hero ball. And if somebody's going to get off and score 34 or something, I think it's going to be the Eagles. And the Eagles have had a, withering pass rush this year 70 sacks third best in uh, nfl history and they and all four of their main defensive linemen have double digit sacks this year so uh but something something in the back of my mind has me thinking the 49ers are going to pull this off i think kyle shanahan is probably maybe outside of andy Reid. i don't know maybe maybe even including him the best coach in the national football league uh, he keeps winning games no matter who plays quarterback for him. And the best season that Matt Ryan, for instance, ever had was when he was the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Um, I think he's just a fantastic coach. And I think maybe Philadelphia is a little early here. So I don't know why. I, I'm a very logical person. And if I look at this game logically, the Eagles should win. But there's something about the 49ers I like in this game. Awesome. Okay, on to college basketball. we got the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Let's start with the Kansas Jayhawks. Danny, they've lost three in a row. They've been here before. Bill Self has never lost four in a row at Kansas. Right. And he's at Kentucky. And, of course, they got a big man was player of the year. And KU's problem has been down low. I, I just get the feel. I thought Kansas played a lot better the other night. I really did. I Look, they couldn't rebound to save their hiney. Um, they couldn't keep Baylor off the offensive glass. But other than that, they did everything right. They shot about 49%. They made every single free throw. They started to get some steals and some fast break baskets. How much improvement did you see? And Kentucky certainly is a flawed team. They're not great. Will Kansas win this game? I think they're going to win the game. But I, I think that what is overlooked about the fact of Kansas right now is that it's not the three losses in a row. To me, it's the five games prior. I mean, there were no ball of fire in those games either. I mean, they, they, they went down to the wire with some of the lesser lights in 
the Big 12, and there are many of those. So this is a team of slight margins. And especially when Dewan Harris is just sort of ordinary, you know, he was playing at a fantastically high level. And, you know, to the point where people were silly, stupid, even wise people saying he's the most vital player on the team. Well, that's ridiculous. There may be no team in college basketball that relies on one player more than Kansas does on Jalen Wilson. And I think it says a lot about the way Kansas generally plays that two of the best games he's played this year, they lost. And, and he was about all they had. Well, so, so Kansas has, they do have some, they don't play their bench at all. They're small. They have trouble rebounding. So uh, when they've got, you know, things flowing and they can turn the other team over and they get in the open court and Brady Dick isn't having a bad night, then they're a handful. But that's there, there's, there's definite flaws there for sure. That's my thing. Grady Dick to me is the most important player in every game because, and th- again, this is anecdotal. I can't back this up with the numbers here, but it seems to me when he scores above his average, Kansas is really hard to beat. And that those are their best nights. And they generally, as a team, shoot about 50%. When he's out there popping threes and scores 17 points or more or something like that, they're really, really good. The nights that he misses or they guard him, and I think he's drawing assignments now. I, I think some coaches are kind of looking at Kansas right now saying, look, Wilson's a given. We're going to give him his 20, 25, even 30. We're going to guard this wing. Grady Dick's not going to have a big night against us. And there have been nights that you can just completely shut McCuller down where he doesn't get any offensive rebounds or score at the basket, and that seems to make a big difference. I kind of think they've gone away from Wilson saying, look, this is a given. Let's go shut down the perimeter here with Grady Dick. And if this team doesn't hit threes, we're going to beat them. Does that sound like a defensive strategy? Well, I think it does. And my thought about Kansas is the fact that since they really only play five guys, you know, pretty much, I mean, the other guys come in and play minutes, but it's only in desperation. Those guys kind of all have to play pretty well. And if one or two of two of them don't, then Kansas is eminently beatable. And right now, a lot of nights, Dewan Harris is just kind of nothing, and McCullers is offensively. He's always very good defensively, no matter what. But he's you know have nights when he's just a complete non-factor offensively. And Dick went through a little slump. I think that's just a short-term thing. He's too good a shooter. I think he also has figured some things out that. You know, he, he's a good enough player that he doesn't just have to stand out there outside the three-point line to score. And I think he proved that maybe to himself. But certainly proved it in the game the other night. And, and maybe more importantly, proved it to himself. So, uh, you know, it's an imperfect team. I, I think Bill Self created sort of his own monster in getting them to number two in the country. When I, I, don't, I just don't think they're that good. I don't think yeah. they're the number two team in the country. Uh, they're a good team in the current context of college basketball. There's no great teams this year. Uh, but they got to number two because they won every single close game. Yeah. And, and and they finally lost one, and then they lost one bad. And they can lose. They they could lose Saturday. There's no doubt about that. And then it'd be, you know, a real sort of a you know two-edged sword when they're playing Kansas State on Tuesday, which, by the way, for those who want to know, is an ESPN Plus game. Yummy. Uh, yummy. Um, they'd either be just a ball of fire, which I sort of lean to because they would have lost four games in a row. And, I mean, it's going to be tough no matter what. But I, I think it's a, it's a close game against Kentucky. They're playing a little better. 
uh, you know, Kansas. I just don't know if you know about Kansas game to game because you don't know whether their best players are going to be on that night. I mean, Wilson's a given. He's, I, he's had like he two bad games, and, and they lost him. Actually, not bad games, but lesser games. I mean, that's the, if he can't go out and score 14 or 13, you know, or shoot five for 13 or 14, or they're dead. They're dead. I don't even care what, what everybody else does. And uh, Well, I think, you you're, know, I think you're missing the, the part where Kentucky's capable of screwing anything up. They're not very oh, sure. well coached, and they never are. And the coaching mismatch in this game is is significant. It truly well, is. Well, the coaching the coaching mismatch in, in most games with Bill Self is significant. I mean, there's no question. About I think it that. shows more when they play Kentucky than any other team I see them play. I mean, I I, I do agree with you. Uh, even at the you know the 2012 national championship game, uh, you know they were ahead by a million, and John Calipari just completely started choking and running the clock down and. You know, somehow it became a game a little bit. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's a it's a mismatch, and Kentucky has, but their best player and best weapon is somebody who could just go off in this game, create foul problems yeah. and everything else. So there's there's ways for Kentucky to win this game. I, I still agree with you. I'll still still pick Kansas. All right, Kansas State hosts Florida, and the big story here is this is Keontae Johnson after having the cardiac arrest on the court a couple of years ago, playing for Florida transferred away from Florida as their doctors would not clear him to play as most schools would not. It needs to be noted. We've kind of lost the topic here a little bit in the DeMar Hamlin incident with the bills and the things that we're seeing, especially with some young people around the country and and athletes. Uh, This predated that, but um, Keontae Johnson went down and it was an, if you haven't seen the video, it's stunning. It's more stunning than DeMar Hamlin because he's walking out onto the floor and just face plants. He just goes, he just drops like somebody shot him. And out of basketball for two years is what he's been. Most schools wouldn't touch him. K-State's doctors cleared him. They found a really good player, and now he's playing against his former team, which is just kind of happenstance that it worked out this way, but what a storyline. It is a great storyline, and it's a great story for him that he gets to return and play the game that uh, he loves and play it at a high level and do it for a team that's uh, doing some amazing things. You know, they, they hit a speed bump the other night, but that was just a great college basketball game on the road that they lost. And uh, so they've got a lot of things in front of them. And I think it is a great story. And, you know, it's, it's just when somebody's that young and they're really good at something to have it taken away is a horrible thing. And uh, thankfully for him right now, it hasn't been taken away for him. So that's great. Now, I've got no baseline with Keontae Johnson because I didn't watch him play that much at Florida. And maybe it's just his style. Some guys would just look this way. Does it look to you when you watch Keontae Johnson play like he's playing about eighty percent? I mean, I don't. Well, he is a sm- he has a smooth type of player, and I I think that he probably I don't know in the back of his mind maybe there is something there. I, I think that's just the way he plays okay. because I I don't think you could go out there and say, you know, boy, I I can't go a hundred percent because my heart might give out. I I just don't think he can play that way. I don't either. And, I just wonder. I wonder the capacity for it all. You know, like if they, if other, if other schools said, no, you're not passing the physical here to play, is he really what he was? I think that's what I'm well, asking. I, think, I don't know. I, I think that most, I think that most, I think that most schools are probably more in a liability yeah. worry situation than they are in, in maybe looking at him and saying he's compromised. He can't play basketball. Yeah. I think, I think he probably, if some doctors are going to, 
if Kansas State doctors, and especially I think in in the current context of the world, are going to clear him that in that he's probably healthy again. It's just that if something somehow did recur, and I, I guess maybe that's more likely with somebody who's had an incident before, then you're really on the hook for something. You know, you, you, it'd probably be, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars or something like that. It will be disappointing for K-State if they lose this game. They're supposed to win this game now that they put themselves right. in the spot that they are, but they never really have looked like the team to me that is just a given that's going to go out and beat everybody they're supposed to beat. They've just done it to this point. There's been a lot of overtime wins and and things like that. But, uh, you, you know, you can make an argument that K-State could easily have – I mean, nobody would bat an eye if they had three more losses than what they have right now. Great run, great everything, but – they do seem to take one game at a time. They got to do that with Florida because you can't go out and lay an egg. Florida, they're quality, they're quality right. enough team that they can beat Kansas State. I think K State wins that game. Missouri. What I love about this game, Danny, I thought this was big this week. They went on the road to Ole Miss and got a win, and they just shot yep. the lights out of the place. And they've put themselves in a position where if they just win the games they're supposed to win, they're going to be an NCAA tournament team and maybe even like a decent seed, even like a six or a seven or something like that. If they just win the games they're supposed to win. Now, this isn't that. This is an opportunity game. This is a chance to really fatten your resume a little bit. They're playing at home against Iowa State, and it's a wonderful barometer for me to say, okay, where is Mizzou? They just made 16 three-pointers in a game, and now they play what most people think is the best defensive team in the Big 12. To me, this is a fascinating matchup. I agree with that, uh, and I think it is a good litmus test for Missouri because what, what Missouri does Right, right now, and even against Ole Miss, which isn't very good at all, they just go out and outscore you. They're, they're not very good on defense at all, which I don't quite understand. They've got two players on their team who were their conference defensive players of the year in the past. But anyway, that's it. That, that's their style. They go out and they shoot a lot of three-pointers, and when they go in, they're, they're and they usually score a bunch of points. They've got guys who, a lot of guys who can score, not just by shooting three-pointers either. So, That'll be interesting because they're not going to defend. They, they just improved that, and they can't rebound I, for whatever reason. I mean, if they we've got 20-something games of evidence, and Ole Miss was a team that had been struggling offensively, and they were good for 70-something in the game the other night. So uh, if they're slowed down by Iowa State's defense, Iowa State will, will have a good night in all likelihood offensively. So Missouri – it has to be better than most teams have been against Iowa State. Now, Kansas State scored on Iowa State. So, I mean, it's not like you can't. And Missouri has the ability to do that. But if Iowa State slows down, if Missouri gets slowed down offensively, right now the evidence is they're going to lose. Well, that's, these are fascinating games. It's going to be fun to watch. And a lot yep. of people have complained and said, oh, they should do this earlier in the year. I think this is a great time of year to play these games. Get out of the league for one. Go play against quality opponents from another league. Let's use it as a barometer, see where we are, and not just in the bubble that we live in. I love the timing of these games, don't you? For the fans, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I don't think coaches necessarily like these games at all, but these teams are fully formed right now. And there's enough left in the season that you're not, it's not too late. Nothing's really being compromised. You get an entire half of a conference season left in both cases. And, but the teams have kind of gotten to the point where they are what they are. So these are, are great tests between teams in another conference to, you know, just do a, a little something different when the teams don't know you as well. So, yeah, I love the timing of it. 
All right, before we get to the uh, the golf bit with Rory McIlroy and Patrick Reed, which is going to be interesting because one of my favorite golfers is Rory McIlroy and one of your least favorite people on the planet is Patrick <laughs> Reed. So this is going to be great, folks. Stay with us. This is about to be good. They had a little altercation on the tee box this week. Um, we'll explain all that. I think a lot of our listeners know why already, but we'll we'll get to that. Danny, remind everybody where they can get all of your content and, and uh, if they want to sign up to be part of your Patreon program at dannyklinkscale.com. How do they do that? And you do much more than I do. You do arts and lifestyle and all kinds of different stuff. Explain a little bit what dannyklinkscale.com is all about and what you offer for everybody listening right now. Well, the main focus of uh, dannyklinkscale.com is the reasonably irreverent podcast. And I do, I don't do as many podcasts as you do, that's for sure. I do three, four, five a week and a couple are sports and, and one is arts and lifestyle and one is generally, not generally, one is always a personality profile. That's on Fridays. And you can get all of my stuff at dannyclinkscale.com and my podcasts are available just about anywhere you get podcasts. And I do have a, do a little work at uh, patreon.com slash dannyclinkscale too. So you can uh, go there and I do a little bit of exclusive stuff there. I do something generally on today, Thursdays, that uh, you can only get there. So that's something that's kind of fun. And uh, my numbers over the course of the last month or so have been kind of out of this world. So thanks to everybody for that. And uh, obviously, always uh, looking for a business opportunity for a great audience. And uh, But dannyclinkscale.com, you can find everything. Or you can just get in touch with me and find out more. It's danny at dannyclinkscale.com. That's a pretty easy place to reach out, say hello have some suggestions, anything you like. Send him emails is what we're telling everybody right now. <laughs> Send Danny an email. If you have a question about anything he says uh -huh. or any, about his content, or if you want to advertise on his podcast or become a sponsor or whatever, just send him an email, danny at dannyclinkscale.com. And if you're a golf fan, you're probably going to get some emails from the listeners after this next topic. Both of us will, <laughs> I feel certain. Okay, the, the short story is this. Rory McIlroy is trying to save the PGA Tour. Patrick Reed, who's won a Masters, Rory hasn't. It kind of sticks in his craw. Uh, Patrick Reed has gone on to live golf where they're just paying him fat money to go out there and play as a fat golfer. It's all good. They're both starting their season in Dubai this week. And even though there was litigation and legal proceedings and all this stuff in the offseason and bad blood apparently between some players, Patrick Reed took it upon himself to walk down the driving range and say hello to Rory McIlroy because they're going to play in the same tournament. Who knows? They could get paired up together over the weekend or something. And Rory didn't care for that much and was asked about it. And he said, I saw no reason to go speak to him, nor do I want to. Then people thought maybe Patrick Reed chucked a golf tee at Rory, which I think he just had a broken tee and was trying to toss it in the trash bin or something. I don't know what happened with the golf tee, but these guys don't like each other. Now Patrick Reed has made comments about Rory. This is unbelievable. They're, they're, they're harming their own cause with a public feud. Well, Reed isn't. Rory clearly is harming the cause of the PGA Tour by creating this stuff publicly because it's making the tours look kind of even. Well, I think the, you know, live golf has got a little bit more momentum again going on right now. They signed the TV contract, which people can make fun of or whatever, but it's on the CW. So on regular television, you'll be able to watch their tournaments on the weekend. I don't, you know, I don't have much. I'll, I'll probably sample the product because that's what I'm supposed to do. But I, I kind of get what for where Rory's coming from. I mean, Patrick Reed, not just a, on a limp basis, he's suing people left and right. And you know, he was subpoenaed, and here's the quote, I was subpoenaed by his lawyer on Christmas Eve. So of course, trying to have a nice little time with my family and somebody shows up on your doorstep and delivers that, you're not going to take that well. So again, I'm living in reality. I don't know where he's living in, 
if I were in his shoes, I wouldn't expect a hello or a handshake. And he didn't get one. And he did flip. He said it was a joke. He flipped the tee because it's a live tee. It says live on it uh, at Rory's feet or whatever. And so he, he did say that he, you know, intended to flip a tee. And it was like he threw it at him in anger or something. He just flipped it at him. So that was too much was made of that. But Patrick, nobody really likes Patrick Reed anyway. I mean, period. Before he went to live and started suing people all over the place. Doesn't Rory have an issue like a couple, three guys of his Ryder Cup teammates don't like him now? Like he's got a feud going with Sergio and isn't he sideways a little bit with Poulter and some of these other Euros? I mean, this is really breaking up a lot of things that we love about golf. I mean, I can't even imagine the dynamic on these Ryder Cup teams when it comes around. Well. I guess maybe thankfully for the European Ryder Cup team and harmony there, basically Sergio and Ian Poulter and guys like that have sort of played themselves into irrelevance as far as the Ryder Cup is concerned. And so it's almost a non-issue. I mean, yes, they've been stalwarts forever, and but they, they just aren't good enough anymore. And they're not doing anything to make themselves better by playing in 54-hole exhibitions every few weeks, uh, which is what lip golf is. So. Uh, you know, I don't think he's really sideways. He's the voice. He's the voice and face of the PGA Tour. These guys went and, and took the money, and which is fine. But they also are suing people. They're suing. They're suing these people for millions of dollars. I'd, I'd be pissed off too. So, you know, just go and make your money and be happy and realize that you made a decision that cost you I mean, for Ian Poulter almost assuredly a Ryder Cup captaincy. I mean, just, uh, uh, who was the guy who just who was already, no, Henrik Stenson decided, well, that's fine with me. I was already named the Ryder Cup captain and I'll just take money in, instead. <laughs> I know, it's great. <laughs> so, so, you know, whatever, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. I mean, for me, it's kind of sad because I've lost the, Ability to root for a couple of my favorite golfers and and Cam Smith and and Louis Oosthuizen because I I don't care to go watch them play the same guys over and over again for fifty four holes in a shotgun start and and places for tournaments that are two years old I don't care I I I doubt I will watch the golf on this and I love watching golf like I said I'll probably sample it because I want to see how the production's done and, and whatever but. I, I have no real interest in it. Now, these days, a lot of times there'll be a PGA Tour event and, and I'm, I'm not even that, you know, fired up about watching that. But I'd probably, I would definitely watch that over a live golf tournament, even if the field stinks. So, uh, you know, I, I, Patrick, here's, here's my analogy for Patrick Reed. When, he, when he's going up and trying to say hello to, to Rory McElroy, who he knows doesn't like him anyway, it's almost like he's being a the, dick. The kid it's, the kid at school who nobody likes trying to sit down and have lunch with the cool kids at the cool kids table. Now yeah, I will say I, this, that normally, normally in, in real life in high school, it's the cool kids who are wrong Yes, <laughs> and shunning them. But he's just, he just is, that's him, yeah, you know? And yeah. so why did he feel the urge to go talk, talk to Rory McElroy? I don't because, get it. Danny, because he's a dick. That's, that's right. Everybody knows it. He likes being that. He was smiling while he did it, which means he's really a dick. I mean, that's just, right. we, we've all met that guy. We all know that guy, right? We know that guy. Right. So don't, 
So don't be surprised when, when somebody happens. doesn't want when somebody doesn't want to talk to oh, you. I was going to say, mean, don't be surprised, Rory, when it happens. You know what he is. Well, no, no, no. Don't be surprised, but don't. <laughs> if you're Patrick, don't be surprised if he doesn't want to talk to you. I mean, that's I mean, by God, I, I want to see them paired up at Augusta. That's all I want to see. I think I think the Masters is missing something really grand if they don't put those two guys together. Yes, I don't know. You know, they have a way of doing certain. Uh, he's probably going to be paired with a couple other former champions yeah. or something like that. But yes, I totally, I totally agree that it would be a good, a, an excellent pair. I think actually, I think they do. I think they do pairings. They're not three. No, there are threesomes the first few days. And right. it would so. be the most unmasters thing ever. They will not do it. They'll go out of their way to make right. sure it doesn't happen. You're right. They'll put Reed right. with another champion and then probably an amateur or something like that. Right. So, good stuff, Danny. It's great, man. It's always fun chatting with you. And uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the college basketball and the games on Sunday. Should be an awful lot of fun. And we look forward to talking with you next week on the Patreon Podcast, buddy. That sounds fantastic. And you enjoy your weekend as well. I, I bet you're, you're going to enjoy yours more than me. And, and I'm going to have a fine weekend. I'm going to give it a try, buddy. I'll, give it, I'll, I'll report yeah. back next week. <laughs> that sounds good. All right. He is Danny Klinkscale. It's always great catching up with him. Again, we do a Patreon Podcast with him every Thursday. For the patrons at KKHI, if you enjoyed it, you get much more of that every single week. We call that Between the Lines 2.0. And it's all presented by Window World. Simply the best for last. The official windows of the Kansas City Chiefs are American-made. They come with a lifetime warranty, and you can get 0% financing. There's also a free in-home consultation and estimate, and never any pressure. That's why Window World is, again, the J.D. Power & Associates Award winner for customer satisfaction. It's really simple. 816-799-0820. Online at windowskansascity.com. Cross Kitchens KC, Kansas City's remodeler. If you're looking for a project in your home, whether it's a kitchen, a bath, a man cave, whatever it may be, Cross Kitchens are experts in the field, and they've been doing this for decades. 816-898-7047. If you'd like to schedule a meeting in your home, they'll provide a 3D rendering of the work to be done before you have to make a decision on whether or not you want to do it or not. Let them do the heavy lifting. Let them help you with the design, the layout, all of those things, then take a look at it and decide whether you want to do it. 816-898-7047, crosskitchenskc.com. And of course, Dr. Jeremy Fry at fryorthodontics.com. That's fryorthodontics.com. 13 locations. There's one near you. It is your smile for life. It's the, one of the best things you can give to your children other than guidance, morals, leadership, values. You want to do something for their physical appearance that can really make a difference? Help them out with a great smile for life. It really is meaningful. It gives them confidence, and it projects to other people that said confidence. Fry Orthodontics would love to work with you and your family. Either of the locations, one of them's near you, 13 of them in our area, fryorthodontics.com, where your smile is just the start. All right, here you go. I'll give you my predictions for Sunday. I'm not going to go through the basketball games. Too unpredictable. I'm going 31-21 Chiefs. Actually, scratch that. I think a couple more field goals and more scoring. I'm going 34-24. I like the Chiefs by 10 in this game. I think 24 is right about the Bengals' number in this game, and it's going to be up to the Chiefs to beat that number. And I think they'll be up for it and do it. So I'm writing the Bengals down for 24, and the Chiefs got to beat that. I'm going 34-24 Kansas City. In the NFC, I like the Eagles, but I don't like them by a lot. I'm going to go with some kicks in this game as well. And I'm going to go, I can't go 27-23. That would be three. You know what? That'd be three field goals for the Niners. I am going to do that. 23 is two touchdowns, three field goals. I like that. I think they have trouble getting in the end zone. 
I'm going to go 27-23 Philadelphia in this game. I think it is, uh, and it could be lower scoring than that. This could be 23-16, uh, 23-19, somewhere in that. It's a little lower, lower scoring game than the AFC, so I may be shooting a little too high here with 27 points against that San Francisco defense. So if not, it would be something like 23-19, but I'm going to go Eagles by four with somebody in the low 20s. I like those two teams. This is the four best teams in football. And have a great, great weekend enjoying it. we got three terrific college basketball games. Missouri, KUK State all have great games this weekend between the two conferences. And then, of course, Championship Sunday on Sunday. Monday's podcast will be Spencer and Stan Weber wrapping up your AFC and NFC games. you got to wait until Tuesday to get my thoughts. I'll be flying back from Pebble Beach on Monday where I am a guest on a trip to play the Lynx at Spanish Bay on Saturday, which was co-designed by Tom Watson from Kansas City, and then Pebble Beach on Sunday. We will be finishing our round at Pebble Beach about an hour before Chiefs kickoff and likely watching at least the first half overlooking the ocean at the Pebble Beach Clubhouse. I can't wait. Thank you so much for listening. Spread the word with your friends. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll catch you next week right here at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. (laughs)